to Dropping Balls with Tim and Ben, an NBA Draft History podcast, part of the 48 Minutes Podcasting Network. Check us out at 48MinutesNetwork.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Dropping Balls, our draft history cast here on the 48 Minutes Network. Now, those who have listened to the corner three in the past as we make this change, you know this show normally as Here Come the Young Guns, uh, where my pal Ben Brown and I, who's on the line with me, we discuss uh, previous NBA drafts, we talk some history and kind of give our thoughts and drafts and have some fun with it, we get real creative, so that stays the same. Uh, the only thing that's different here is the name. All the stuff we're going to do moving forward, we're really excited for. So with that being said, Ben, um, you know, the corner three has been good to us. Here come the young guys has been good to us. But I'm really excited for these changes, and I'm really excited for what we're going to do move forward with the show. Absolutely. I am very excited about the growth of, of the product, um, what uh, you all have been able to do, and what we're going to be able to grow on. Uh, moving forward is very exciting so um, this this whole network the 48 minute network dropping balls it, it's exciting to be back and, uh, and I'm excited to be a part of it um, and, and get ready to uh, have some exciting NBA talk uh, because our NBA um, is ever evolving ever changing with uh, great drama great dramatics so uh, I'm excited very excited yeah, and those who know, yes, obviously, we know that talking NBA drafts is very limited. We are not dumb. So don't think when we're done recapping all the drafts we want to talk that Ben Brown is not going to be a part of the 48 Minutes team. He will always be a part of our team. I'm going to find ways to keep him around. I promise you that. Yeah, and I'm excited about that. NBA, NBA basketball is so much fun, and it's, it's, it's really cool to be able to talk about it. Um, all the time with guys that, that know their stuff and, and are excited about off-season, summer league, regular season, postseason. I mean, it's it's a it's becoming a 365 type of league, and, and that's that's exciting for NBA fans. Yes, it is. So um, it is becoming a year league, and you know, even with things like Ice Cube's Big Three League is really helping the you know the product of basketball. Absolutely, uh, FIBA play is the best it's been in years. If you're mm-hmm. watching international hoops. So, um, with that being said, I know the old goal of this. We're going to talk the 1995 NBA draft, a.k.a. we can probably call this the Kevin Garnett show. Absolutely. But um, we're going to kind of talk a little about current, current events. Uh, you know, I know, obviously, if you listen to the finale of the Corner 3, uh, we'll talk about this quite a bit. And we know that we're recording this show July 25th, and this is going to go up August 1st. So, by this point, as we start this topic, Kyrie Irving very well could be traded. Um but we want to at least, you know, I want to give Ben a chance to kind of talk current events because I know he's keeping up with like we, like us at the team are. So, man, you know, to see this, what's going on in Cleveland, how sad it is, the run they've had for the last three years, winning a title, losing the other two, playing the best team in the world three years in a row, and, mm-hmm. you know, matching up with them toe for toe most of the time. Um, it's really disappointing for me, I guess, being the resident Cavalier fan but on the team, uh, that... Um, Kyrie Irving doesn't want to be there anymore. Now, do I understand that he wants to step out of the shadow of LeBron James? Sure. Um, you know, it has that Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal feel in some, in some stretches. Or that Penny Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal feel if you're biased like me. Um, <laughs> but, yes, you know, it it's hard for me because I, uh, 
You know, I love watching Kyrie Irving play, even with his flaws for his lack of defense and his weird, I've got to play ISO ball thing he likes to do all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still such an amazing talent and fun to watch. So I wanted to kind of take a few minutes before we got into the, the 1995 draft and give you kind of a chance and give, get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, as, as I watched it unfold, um, and I've put out some uh, pretty interesting tweets about it, um, I really do believe that this is a just a microcosm of that organization. So you have you have Kyrie, you've got you brought in Kevin Love, you've got LeBron back, you've got a team that's been to the finals three straight years, you've won it once, you've lost it twice, to arguably, like you said, the greatest team to ever be assembled. With uh, you know, with Steph and Durant and Draymond, and I mean they got Clay Thompson and all these stars. I mean, you've made it to the finals three years in a row. Now, I don't know how often Cleveland is even used to having having success in teams. I mean, I would say it's the fifties, but to me, it just seems like that like they got the success and they weren't happy with the success. So then all of a sudden. You know, they start moving the GM, you know, the owners becoming more vocal, you know, talks are, you know, they're talking about LeBron, you know, he's going to be a free agent after this season. I really don't, I really don't understand what they expected Kyrie to do or say. Like, you put him in a no-win situation. Kyrie, I know, wants to be a star, but he wants to be a star on his own. So I understand why he's doing what he's doing, but I also understand the frustration of Cleveland fans because you finally get to where you want to be, and now Kyrie is unhappy. But if you remember back in 2008, uh, Kobe Bean Bryant did the same thing. I mean, he requested a trade. He did not want to be a Laker anymore. And in in the end, it all blew over, and he became arguably the greatest Laker of all time. So... Is he going to get moved? I don't, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I don't know if it's really going to go through. If you read the tweets and the and everybody reading through the social media, it looks like LeBron's mad. Millionaires to me can't be mad about anything by playing right. bad. Like you're you're a millionaire from playing basketball. Like you can't be mad about what another man does. You know, after all the stuff that LeBron has done with, you know, the decision and then leaving Miami and coming back to. Like he's made a lot of decisions too that have that have been, albeit say selfish. And Kyrie is just making a decision. He understands that his body, the way he plays, he's only got so many. He's only got so many good years left in him, and he wants to spend them being the guy. And I can't fault him for that. I can't either. Um, even though it is disappointing, because I love watching those two play together. They have the deadliest pick and roll I've ever seen. That yes. includes Penny and Shaq. Um, yes. You know, and I, I think, you know, someone, uh, Bill Simmons on his podcast today made the point that he sees it as, you know, he heard that Kyrie saw, uh, you know, the guy in particular name was how John Wall got to really learn and become the guy in Washington by, mm-hmm. you know, getting his chance there. Now, my only difference with that is. If you put John Wall with the Cavaliers for those three years, I don't think they lose any of those finals. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, I, I think Kyrie's a better shooter than Wall. I think, you know, his his ball handling skills is better than Wall's, and his ISO game is better than Wall's, but 
I think everything else, this crazy, you know, ball all over the place and, um, you know, going down the going down this, this, the center of the court to get to the rim, that is John Wall's game. And if you put LeBron James' game in a point guard's body, it very well could be John Wall. Minus yeah. all the, like, you know, ridiculous athleticism, block shots and stuff like that. Right, yeah. I, I think he sees that. I think he sees guys like Russell Westbrook. I think he sees John Wall. He sees Damian Lillard. He sees Isaiah Thomas. He sees Steph Curry. He sees these guys as point guards being the leaders and the and the guys on their team. And he sees himself on that level. Rightfully so. I believe that he is a top five, top seven point guard in the league. I don't I don't see any other difference between you know, I know he struggles to play defense and some other things, but the guy can flat out play. I mean, and the guy can flat out get to the basket and get buckets. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, and I think he sees all these other guys having success, and and I think he wants that. Um, I think the downside to that is, though, is that with, with him being there and wanting to do what he wants to do, he's not realizing, I guess, the... LeBron factor, I guess is what you call it. Right. I mean, the LeBron factor is huge to his success. You know, Kyrie's a great player, but he's not going to have near the success with when you don't have LeBron James standing on the wing, who is the best player in the world. You know, it looks a little bit different when you're standing next to Avery Bradley or you're standing next to, you know... Uh, you're standing next to somebody else that doesn't have the talent of LeBron James and can do the things that he's able to do. So I think there's tension there. I think that probably there was some tension there between that LeBron and Kyrie. But, you know, at some point you've got to uh, kind of cut your, you know, cut your losses and, and do what you got to do what's best for you, I guess. But it, it's kind of sad. I agree with you. It's very sad because those two... Um, like you said, could be dynamic. They're just missing one player. And I think Kyrie may have saw the writing on the wall knowing that they weren't going to get that player. So maybe he's said he's time to move on to greener pastures. But, you know, and LeBron's going to be out of there next year too. Don't 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 get it twisted. People are like, oh, well, Kyrie's moving. But, well, they'll be saying the same thing about LeBron when he goes to the L.A. or he goes to wherever he's going to go because he's not going to stay and not have a chance to be in the finals every year. He's just not going to do it. And he's not going to do it on his own either. You know, those years of 2007-2008, LeBron are gone. I mean, he's got to be around a team that's going to make him look as good as he always does. So, I actually made the argument on our show last week that I think if LeBron really leaves Cleveland, that Philly would be the best place for him because Fultz, Simmons, Embiid, and LeBron could be so filthy. And... It won't happen, ever, but it would be awesome. And uh, yeah. I think, last thing I want to touch on Kyrie Irving before we move and do what we're supposed to do. Um, I think my favorite thing about all of this was he said he wants to be the guy and be a focal point. And then his list consists of the San Antonio Spurs, who have, oh, just Kawhi Leonard, maybe the second or third best player in the world. Absolutely. The Minnesota Timberwolves, who have Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. Absolutely. And Which that would be sick, by the oh way. Oh my God, that would if be so sick. If he got to Minnesota, <laughs> if 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 the NBA gods were to be like, yeah, he's he's gonna be in Minnesota 
Like, that would be just unreal. Like, that would be so cool. Yeah. Jimmy I'd, Butler. I'd be on the bandwagon. Oh. I already I'm am. Going, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Buy, like, if that happens, I'm going to buy a jersey tomorrow. Like, yeah. like that's not even a question. I'm with you. And then, uh, last thing to touch on before we move on, um, Derek Rose goes to Cleveland to kind of be the fill-in or the insurance, you know, for what it, say what you will about the, for the Cavaliers. Now, you know, trust me, this is going to be painful for me to say, being who he is and the team that I grew up loving. Uh-huh. Um, he's not MVP Derek Rose anymore. I understand that. I have accepted that. I think he's finally accepted that. Absolutely. But I think that truly this is the best situation he could be in. And I know there were teams that offered him like better, like longer contracts and, and more money. And I think he kind of saw that. You know, you mentioned that writing on the wall. I think he realized I have a chance for at least a year to play with LeBron and Kevin Love. Yep. I have a chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. I have a chance to play, conf- chance to play in the championship. Absolutely. I'm going. And Absolutely. I think this is going to be. I don't. You know, obviously you're going to lose the shooting that you have with Kyrie. You're probably going to lose the explosiveness that you actually no, probably not. Derrick Rose can still throw down when he wants to. Yeah. Um, but you mean you're going to lose the ball handles, obviously. You're going to lose. But I think, you know, I think this is a good situation for D. Rose, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Derrick Rose will be good Will be good with LeBron. I think Derrick Rose will do very well. Um, I think it's a good spot for him. I think it's he's going to have success there. And I think that just like everybody else that plays with LeBron, He's going to make him better. I mean, that's just no no doubt to it. I mean, LeBron has that ability to make people better all the time. He always does it. No matter who. I mean, when you can drag like a Darius Miles and you can drag a Damon Jones to the finals and all these, you know, these, I mean, he has the innate ability of being able to lead guys to championships. So... It'll be interesting to see how Derrick Rose um, grows around LeBron. And he's going to become better. I mean, he's going to become a better player. He's not going to be the MVP, Derrick Rose. But I think that he will be very effective at what LeBron needs him to do. I completely agree. So, Ben, you know, I can hear your beautiful children in the back crying about Kyrie Irving leaving Cleveland also. They're, they're so upset. <laughs> I knew it. Distraught. My son was definitely distraught. <laughs> oh, man. So, you ready to get this party started like we always do? Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right, folks. So, the year is 1995. Let's let you know what was going on in the world of basketball right before the NBA draft in 1995. One, the greatness himself, Jumpman, Makes his return as number 45. Loses to the Orlando Magic. Who... Mm, mm. Uh, lose mm. by a sweep <coughs> to the Houston Rockets. Horrible. Not cool. Not cool. Nick Anderson, if you're listening, it took me a long time. I forgive you. I forgive you. You ruined Man. it. You, yeah, you blew it. No but doubt I forgive about you. It. Penny Hardaway has one chance in an NBA championship. Where he Absolutely. was the best point guard in the world at that time. Yes, he was. I will always fight that. I think he had the best three-year stretch of anyone, any point guard in NBA history. I will also fight that forever, too. <laughs> um, and then, also on the collegiate side, Ben, a really, really good UCLA Bruins team goes yes. and wins the College Basketball Championship in Seattle in the Kingdome. 
Yes. So we had a lot of crazy things going in, and there's this one gentleman that everyone just wants to have on their team in the NBA draft. This gentleman, I don't know if people are going to look back at him all the, as off, uh, you know, is by the name of Joe Smith. Now, mm-hmm. those who are wondering who in the hell is Joe Smith, <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely <laughs> <Correct>. right. <laughs> Also in this draft, we had the debut of two teams as the NBA goes outside of uh, the the States for the first time as the two Canadian franchises, the Toronto Raptors and the Vancouver Grizzlies, come to the NBA. And they have an expansion draft the week before. So, Mm -hmm. Ben, we're seeing the NBA, you know, really evolve here. And we're seeing some great things happen. You know, the growth of the league happens. And we come to draft day, and the Golden State Warriors are nowhere near what they are now. They draft a middle one from, the, from Maryland, a sophomore by the name of Joe Smith. Now, Absolutely. if you, I know you remember, mm-hmm. Joe Smith at Maryland was, what do we say, dirty. Oh, no doubt. He was so good, and he was, you know... He had first overall pick written all over him, much like Michael Oluwakandi Candy did. We'll get to that in another episode, I promise you that. <laughs> but like Michael Oluwakandi, Candy, Joe Smith certainly did not live up to that potential at all as he played for 12, no, I'm sorry, 8 NBA teams in his 16-year No, I was right, 12 teams in 16 years. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I thought it was 12. I thought it was 12, yeah. He, he was a journeyman for sure. Mm-hmm. And hey, you know who he played with? Uh, LeBron James. LeBron James! There we got we go. one! We got, <laughs> we got one. one! No doubt about it. <laughs> Alright, so let's talk about Joe Smith before we get to this awesome, you know, the rest of this draft that gets better. Uh, what do you remember about Joe coming out of college, going to the Golden State? You know, they just lost Chris Webber in that trade uh, yes, with Washington. Um, what did you think that Joe Smith would turn out to be? If you're, Do you really remember? Um, I do remember Joe Smith, uh, like we talked about before, Joe Smith was a phenomenal, phenomenal player in college. Um, the University of Maryland. I mean, he was he was as dominant as they came. So when he got drafted to Golden State, they just lost Chris Webber. Um, he, he goes, and everybody is thinking, you replace one with the other. So, I mean, you lose Weber, but you're bringing in Joe Smith. Now, Joe Smith wasn't as, I guess, a physical player, a player as Chris, Chris Weber was, but he was every bit the scorer, and he was every bit the defender. So when you saw that draft go, and they're like, well, you know, you're looking at it now, and you're like, man, why would you go Joe Smith, especially after you see who else is on this list? That could have been a Golden State Warrior, but when when Joe Smith went, it was not a shock. I mean, everybody was like, "That guy, that guy should be there. He's going to have a long career there, and he's going to dominate there." So um, Joe Smith was not a like wasn't an out of the ordinary pick because he was a dominant college player, and uh, he played really well at Maryland. So he did. So, if you guys want me to read off, I'm going to anyway. Here is the tra- the, the map. Um, if Joe Smith flew Delta, he got a sky miles in, to say the least. Oh, yeah, no doubt. 95 to 98, he starts his career with the Golden State Warriors. 98, goes to Philadelphia to play with the Sixers. 99 to 2000, the Minnesota Timberwolves. 2000 2001, the Detroit Pistons. 
2001 to 2003, the Minnesota Timberwolves. 03 to 06, the Milwaukee Bucks. 06, the Denver Nuggets. 06 to 07, back in Philly. 07 to 08, the Chicago Bulls. 08, the Cleveland Cavaliers. 08 to 09, the Oklahoma City Thunder. 09, back with Cleveland. He was back with Cleveland. Yep. 2009, 2010, he's an Atlanta Hawk. Yes, 2010, he he's a New Jersey Net. 2010, 2011, he is an, an LA Laker. Laker. Wow. Now, he was an all-first team on the NBA, his NBA rookie team. He yes, did he win the Adolph Ruff Trip. He's an ACC Player of the Year. Yes, his numbers was. are not really terrible if you look at it. Uh, you know, 11 points a game, 6 rebounds a game. Yeah. But he was drafted to be a star, and he was anything but that. Yeah, he he was drafted to lead that franchise, and uh, he, he didn't do that. I mean, he gave them two years there, and I believe he averaged... At Golden State, out of the draft, I believe he averaged 15 his first year and 18 his second, which isn't bad. Um, and then eight, he averaged eight and a half rebounds. So, what he played, I mean, he played 82 games the first season and 80 the second. So, I mean, he was he played hard, but he was durable. Know, yeah, he was durable. Uh, that's what happened. He got hurt his third year. Yeah, then was. he wasn't durable. And then that was a wrap. I mean, he didn't play more than. He only played more than 70 games twice after that. Yeah. Or no, three times, three times. So in, in 04, 05, in 04, 04, 04, 05, and then 99 and 2000 were the only other years he played over 70 games. So. Yeah. So let's move on to the next pick, man. You talk about a guy that could jump out of the freaking gym. Power forward, had the ultimate build of a four. Uh, just a great ball player, um, you know, 6'9", 245 frame. Could do anything with the ball in the hand on the post. Antonio McDice, two years at Alabama, second overall pick. Clippers take the pick. It's traded to the Nuggets. And he is another guy where he only played one All-Star game. But teams that won, that he was on, he definitely contributed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I remember about McDice was that when it, I mean we're an SEC country I mean we're we're right there mm-hmm. um, and he I mean he came to UK and a lot of, a whole lot of players don't play really well in Lexington right I mean and he came in I mean I, I I don't remember how many points of rebounds he had but he definitely stuck out like you were like man that guy is dominant and I mean he just he was such like an athletic freak I mean that guy could jump out of the gym. I mean, he was dunking. He was running the floor. I mean, he was he was that good. I mean, he just... The things that he was able to do were was just phenomenal. He was a, he was a really good player. Yes, and, you know, he just... He had a way of just really, like, you know, like I said, making teams better. Um, yes, now, he did. He did go to the Pistons the year after they won the title, but... They were still successful when he was there. Obviously, they played another NBA Finals where they lost to the Spurs, yep. um, and he was a big part of that. He has, you know, and then he goes and he hops on and plays with Pop in San Antonio for his last two years, and he ends up being a great role player there, backing up Tim Duncan. Absolutely. So McDice definitely did his time. He did his thing. So let's move on here to these next two picks, man. Two guys that are two of my favorite players ever, 
just so happened to be teammates. And you talk about a team that played Kentucky that year. Yes, um, there was a pretty brutal North Carolina-Kentucky game that year where Jerry Stackhouse and Rasheed Wallace went against the boys from Lexington. Now, I already talked about Antonio McDice being able to jump out of the gym. <laughs> Jerry uh-huh. Stackhouse would put that to shame, how good she could jump out of the gym. And oh, yeah. if you see him now, he looks like he can still play in the league. Absolutely. He's a two-time All-Star he was a Sports Illustrated Player of the Year coming out of high school. McDonald's All-American. He could do everything on the court and had an excellent, excellent NBA career for 18 years. He's now mm-hmm. a coach in the G League for the Toronto Raptors. Bro, I love Stackhouse. I just didn't get enough of him at his time of playing. Oh, yeah. Um, the cool thing about that was that if you uh, that North Carolina team – like they they were so fun to watch. I mean, Rasheed Wallace. Um, then you had Jerry Stackhouse. Jerry Stackhouse, to me, coming out, out of this draft when I you know remembering the draft, like he was the number one guy to me. Um, and I'm not, I mean, of course, I don't remember what Golden State needed. Of course, you know, Chris Webber left, but Jerry Stackhouse to me was the best player in this draft. To me, he was I mean, he was a small forward. He was, he could jump out of the gym. He was a physical player. He shot the ball well. Um, he was a leader. He was on a great North Carolina team. And he had a great pro career. I mean, Stackhouse, I mean, he played some, on some quality, quality basketball teams and had mm-hmm. some quality minutes and some good runs. I mean, he was he was a really good player. I mean, an average 17 points a game in the league for, you know, for as many years as he played. I mean, it was just, Stackhouse to me was that, the, I mean, in hindsight, of course, we all know Kevin Garnett. But coming into that draft, Stackhouse was the guy for me. Yeah, and let's not forget that he was on a very good Dallas Mavericks team that just so happened to run to a mammoth in the NBA Finals that yes. were called the Miami Heat in 06. Yes. That had Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal, so can't be can't fault him for that. No, 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 not at all. That that team, I mean, that team right there that they ran into was just a monster. So, you, you know, know what's weird looking at all these players is they're all still in their early forties, and <laughs> three or four of them I've seen on TV lately, and I'm like, that guy looks like he can still go out there and put up ten in the league. Yeah, absolutely, you know? man. It, yeah, because to me, if, if for me, this is, I was 17 years old. I mean, I remember all these guys vividly. So, yeah. to see them that they're, you know, mid-40s, like, I'm like, man, that's, that, they all still look phenomenal. They all, I mean, most of those guys, like, they did an interview with Rasheed Wallace. Uh, they had an Area 21 with Kevin Garnett. I mean, Rasheed still looks like he can get 15 and 10. I'm like, Dude, you're in mid forties. Like how, uh, you know? But so those guys take incredibly, you know, they they age well. Yeah, they did. So took good care of their bodies throughout their careers, and you see it now. Um, let's talk about Sheed, man, because oh, dude, this is I, the attitude. I've been, wait, I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> this is the attitude of the draft. Now Sheed plays his first year with the Bullets. Yes. Yes, and then he goes, obviously, goes on to make a name for himself with the Portland Trailblazers with Arvidas Sabonis as a front court. Yes. And they were super good together. Yes, which they is were. weird because Arvidas Sabonis came to the league when he was a little older. 
Yes, and he did. He still played damn good basketball. He did. She was kind of one of those first fours they could shoot from. Like he didn't just have like a a post up game. Like he could, you know, he could shoot. And he was a really good defensive player. But what she's always gonna be remembered for, and sometimes it got a little out of hand, is just how intense and physical he was. And yeah. we're not even talking about Kevin Garnett yet, and we're talking about intense and physical. Oh man, um, Rasheed Wallace to me, and this is this is why I started laughing. Like Rasheed Wallace to me embodied. So much just attitude and aggression. I used to love watching that guy play. Even when he was in the league, I loved watching him play because he was that guy. Like it didn't matter who they were when they had those battles with the Lakers or they had battles. I mean, it didn't matter if it was Shaq, it didn't matter if it was Kobe, it didn't matter if it was David Robinson, Tim D- like he was gonna go at your head and he did not care. I mean, and he was a physical player. You know, he was, like you said, he was able to stretch the floor. He shot, I mean, he shot threes. I remember when he was, I mean, he saved that series when he was a Piston. He got hot in game, I think it was game three or game four. I mean, he just went on a tear. I mean, he just, I mean, he, I think he hit like three or four threes, scored like 17 or 18 straight points. I mean, he had that kind of ability. Um, and his, ad, I mean, his attitude and the way he played, like you said, it it got him in trouble sometimes. But man, I was envious of that man. I love the way that guy played. I think when I look back, and you know, obviously, this is that I've seen, and maybe besides that '96 or '98 Bulls team, um, that '04 Pistons team that won the title is the best defensive team I've ever seen that won a title. I mean, all that starting five alone. All yeah. those guys could play man-to-man defense. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Ben Wallace was a four-time Defensive Player of the Year. Sheed was just awesome on D, and he just, he would he, he was so physical and had so much energy that he would battle for every rebound. Tapri, I don't think Tapri gets enough credit for how good he was in the league. And then obviously, Rip and Chauncey were really good face-up defenders as well. So I think that you know that I remember you know my 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 like most what I guess most intense memories of the NBA. Uh, teams have won titles. I think that's the team I've seen that played the best defense game to game. And that includes, like, the game two when Kobe goes nuts for 38. Yeah. I think the Lakers still only won by seven or eight points because that's, like, you know, the Pistons kept themselves in it. Yeah. Yeah, they were uh, – that team there was so – I get I, – they, like, locked in defensively. And, and usually you don't see an NBA team do that. You see college teams, you know, build their build their pride on defense, but usually the pros are like, okay, we'll play some defense here or there, but then in the fourth quarter, we, that's the first team I remember seeing outside of the bad boy Pistons of, you know, 88 to 91 that just played full court. I mean, just, they were just determined to not let you score buckets. And when you got a shot up, you weren't getting a second shot. Right. I mean, they were going to the boards. They were crashing the boards, and they were getting and running their offense. They just played 48 minutes of just hard-nosed basketball. And I think that's why basketball uh, enthusiasts, NBA enthusiasts, love that Piston team. And they love the bad boy Pistons as well. But they love that Piston team that won that championship because they were just a – they embodied Detroit. Gritty, tough, no-nonsense – and then you had Rashid on the back end and Ben Wallace 
I mean, those guys, didn't, I mean, they didn't back down from anybody. And that team was, they were admired. And they played, I mean, they played their tails off. So, just in case anyone's keeping score at home, as we know, on August 1st, all of our shows are going up on launch day. Ben Brown is the first one recording, so use the term 48 minutes, not advertising the network. So, Ben, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you. you very much. <laughs> all right, so... We're going to get to these next three picks, and these next three picks are very much a huge part of history, not just for the careers these guys had, because obviously two of them maybe will never be Hall of Famers, but, you know, they're the first picks of a franchise's history. But this first one we have to get to, Ben, started a trend, and that's obviously the kid, the the power forward from Fargo Academy in Chicago, Illinois, Kevin Garnett, who obviously went to Chicago for reasons of, you know, getting out of South Carolina in a bad area, but that's not what we're here to talk about. This, right. is a ki- this is the first kid since Moses Malone that went to the league shed out of high school. So let me ask you this, you know, being that you were, like you mentioned earlier, you were 17 when this happened. Um, you and Kevin Garnett are pretty close in age. Absolutely. Um, what was it like when you heard a kid from high school was going to the league? Um, it was crazy. Um, all I remember is... Somebody had mentioned Kevin Garnett and the possibility of him um, going to the NBA from high school. Now, you have to remember, back in the day, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have any social media. So there was no way really you could find out about a guy um, unless it was on SportsCenter, press clippings, newspaper articles. You actually had to open the paper and read about people. Uh, I know I'm dating myself here, but <laughs> but you know people talked about Kevin Garnett, um, and you know you had your naysayers like, oh, you know, there's no teenage kid that can make it in the league. But I mean, you you saw the things he did. Like, I, I he's one of the first kids I remember being on Sports Center as a high school kid. Like, they would show his highlights, um, and you would look up, and he'd be. You know, just dunking all over these kids and making fantastic plays. Um, and then they talked about drafting him, and, and, you know, they were like, well, he could be anywhere from the three pick, or he could be anywhere from three to 12, or three to 13. Or, and of course, you had, like I said, you had naysayers. But, you know, when you looked at all of the things that he was able to do in high school, um, for Minnesota, to take a you know to take that chance and say we're going to ride this guy um, and give him the opportunity. It really worked out for them um, as far as what he gave to that city and what he gave um, as a player. I mean, he was Kevin Garnett to me, uh, hands down, you know, top top three or four power forwards of all time. Um, he he was another guy that played with a lot of intensity. Um, he he's the kind of that guy that had the swagger going. Um, he was the guy that you know he would dunk and yell in people's faces. Um, I remember you know people doing interviews about him, you know saying that he talked trash and he would talk trash to anybody. I mean he would go at people. Um, Kevin Garnett uh, to me for my generation was you know one of the all time greats. Um, he's a, he was a special, special player. He was, the big, man. The big ticket, man. The big ticket, man. I, I was. He's one of those few players that I actually got really bummed out when they didn't when they retired. And uh, you know everything you said is true. Um, 
I fell in love. I always loved Kevin Garnett, that MVP year when he won in Minnesota. It's one of the yeah. most underrated MVP seasons ever. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, you know, that, that run he had with the Celtics when they won that title, and they you know, went back to another game seven. was just amazing. Um, Garnett will always be one of my favorite players ever. Uh, him and C. Webb are probably my favorite fours of all time. Uh, yeah. I have a hard time picking between the two. But, you know, all the All-Star games, the MVP, just everything he did, he was just a mammoth and had a great career. And he's been a, you know, Kevin Garnett's stories as far as off the court are almost as fun as Kevin Garnett's stories on the court. I remember um, Bill Simmons had that show on HBO for a little bit where he had Paul Pierce on. And he asked me, he's like, is it possible for Kevin Garnett to have a conversation with ever saying the F word? And Paul Pierce said, no, that's not. there's no chance that's happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's been the big thing. I know that a lot of people say that, like, he was, he is a vulgar individual. And, I mean, he nobody said anything bad about him, but they they say that he's very uh, colorful. We'll, yes. we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will. We could spend this whole show talking about Kevin Garnett, but we got to get to these next two guys where we kind of, Skip through the rest of the draft. Um, Bryant Reeves, first pick ever for the history of the Vancouver Grizzlies, senior of Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Uh, only played six years in the league, but started the le- in the league as a boom. Everything kind of went down because of injuries, and he, yep. he had some weight issues, if you remember. Yes, um, he did. You know, he played a lot of games, but uh, his minutes went down slowly but slowly. His second year in the league, he played 37, and then he went down to two years later playing 28. Yeah. Uh, I think what's also interesting about him was this is the guy that Shaquille O'Neal said was the toughest player he ever had to guard. Shaquille O'Neal had to play against Hakeem Olajuwon in the finals. He had to play against, uh, you know, Rick Smits, and who was a really good offensive center. And yeah. let's not forget, you know, going against Zoe when Zoe was a member of the, of the Nets in the finals I mean, also. Yeah. I mean, David Robinson. I mean, yeah, like, Shaq's seen them all. Yeah, and this is the, this is the guy. And I don't think people will look back on Brian Reese and say, man, like, that guy's a Hall of Fame or that guy's a great. But he was damn good. And he was. It's just, you know, unfortunately, sometimes your human body catches up to you with pains and aches. And, you know, being a professional athlete, that's bound to happen. Um, but I think, you know, it's – I think we deserve to give Brian Reese a chance, uh, you know, a t- a t- a t- some time to talk about him here and really say, like, he was pretty darn good on the court. He was. He was good. And the thing I remember about Big Country – um, was that he he was the first guy I can remember who consistently could make moves with both hands. So yeah. like there was not a there like he he wouldn't always spin to his left. I mean he could shoot that jump hook with his left, with his right. He had a, a you know, twelve to fifteen foot jump shot. Um, he was a good post player. Um, he could make moves and for as big as he was, he moved really well. Um, as a as a, at the center position, um, unless I mean the guy, he averaged thirteen and seven. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't like it was, excuse me, it wasn't like he, you know, you know his two years there. I mean, he actually had he had a sixteen point a game average and ninety seven and ninety eight. So I mean, it wasn't like he was a slouch. That guy could get buckets and and play well. He could. He was a fun player. You know, Oklahoma State was really kind of becoming a big-time basketball school then. They mm-hmm. played in what was called the Big Eight. Does anyone remember the Big Eight? I do. I know. It's weird <laughs> to see it, isn't it? Yes, it is. And then we're going to go to this guy here real quick, man. Um, you know, obviously I'm biased when I say that Penny is my favorite nickname in the world of all time for basketball players. 
Uh-huh. But Mighty Mouse is a close second. Yes, the 1996 NBA Rookie of the Year, Damon Stoudemire, um, had those fun shoe commercials when he, you know, he had actually got Mighty Mouse in his commercials, which was unheard of at that time. Yes, he did. Damon Stoudemire was, and this is I know this is an easy thing to say, so good at yes, basketball. Oh, my God. He's the first pick in Raptors history, and he lived up to it in his tenure there, which wasn't very long. He went on to join Rasheed Wallace in Portland and have some really good there, years there as well. And then um, did some time in Memphis, also as a Popovich standout. That's going to be our new thing. We're going to count how many guys have played with LeBron James and how many guys have played for Greg Popovich in these draft shows. There we go. Absolutely. So let's talk about Mighty Mouse, man. What do you remember? Because I think he was really one of those first, like, him and Marbury around the same time. were was really first, like, big-time slasher point guards for a, in a long time. Yeah. Um, Damon Stoudemire, to me, was that – he was that guy, that first guy, where he was really undersized. But, I mean, he went in there and played with the big boys and would go. I mean, he would go at those guys and get to the basket. He had a sweet left-handed jumper. Um, and I remember he was just, from about 90, 97 to about 2001 or two. I mean, you would be hard-pressed to find a better point guard than Damon Stoudemire. Yeah, I mean, he he was just, I mean, with those Portland teams, I mean, he just did some unbelievable things. Um, like you said, he was rookie of the year in '95, '96, um, and he was able to do some amazing things there in Portland. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Damon Stoudemire because he he got the absolute most out of his tiny frame and, and was able to play a lot of years in the league. Um, and, and play on some pretty successful teams. So, a lot of props to Damon Stoudemire. He was a he was a phenomenal player. He was very good. He was, you know, and uh, he's a you know, guy that we, you know, I'm always going to look back and fond memories of really kind of starting that making the Toronto Raptors cool thing. Yes. And then, so we're going to kind of skip through here before we get to our our, our, our uh, mock draft here. Um, Ed O'Bannon was the ninth pick to the New Jersey Nets. Uh, you know, not necessarily known for his NBA career. He's just known for ruining NCAA video games. So, thanks a lot, Ed. <laughs> Way to get your money, pal. Yeah, he. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, that's a whole other conversation for another day. Because he, I'm really upset about it. every time uh, on Twitter or Facebook. Well, this would have been the the anniversary <laughs> of NCAA 2018. I'm like, great. Thanks a lot. Because thanks, I mean, Ed. Yeah, there was nothing better than when that game would drop every year. I know, man. And you, and you would have tournaments, and you would just go at people's heads playing NCAA basketball or NCAA football. Thanks again, Ed Abain. <laughs> Jerk. Kurt Thomas rounds out the top ten. Um, you know, played a lot of years in the league also. Uh, played for a lot of teams. Got drafted by the Heat. I remember him mostly for his my, uh, New York Knicks run where they went to the finals. Yes. Um you know, a really good power forward center that was in the league for a long time. Yes, he was. Um, but, dude, some guys that were in the late first. Let's talk about two in particular real quick. Theo freaking Ratliff, man. So good. Yes. <laughs> so good. Out um, of Wyoming. Out of the University of Wyoming. You talk about guys that were like, you know, guys that stood out for how good they were defensively. This dude was one of them. He was an unbelievable shot blocker, obviously. Um, won a title with the Celtics uh, when they picked him up. In the... No, he didn't. I got that wrong. I take that back. I thought he won a title with the Celtics. I was wrong. That's okay. 
No, it was someone else. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of P.J. Brown. You know, they're the yeah. same person. Um, One of the same. <laughs> yes. And then, obviously, you know, Michael Finley, who we talked about guys that could freaking throw it down. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Finley. Fin- Michael Finley. Michael Finley was so dirty, man. Like, I know. That guy. Remember, he's a, he's a Jordan brand guy, too. Mm-hmm. People don't remember that. That guy. He he uh, had some great years in Dallas, man. He was there were some years there where he was the top five to ten player in the league. I mean, he Michael Finley was a threat. He was, he was man. He was uh, he was a good player, man. Yeah, and then the pick for him uh, as a Chicago Bulls lover, I got I can't you know not talk about my boy Jason Caffey. Yeah, but he really did nothing in the NBA, but he was awesome. <laughs> Two-time NBA champ, holla. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's got a couple rings. Yeah, and then kind of go through the rest of your Greg Ostertag obviously played on those Utah Jazz teams that couldn't beat Jason Caffey, Chicago Bulls. Yep. Um, Travis Best at 23. Yeah. Man, he was, he had some, there's another one on here, and I was going to talk about, and, yeah. I, and I know that you don't remember, but Lou Rowe. Now, Lou Rowe played with Marcus Canby at UMass. Mm-hmm. And he was so good there, and then he got in the league, and I think he only played two years in the league. Yeah, he had a total of maybe sixty games, maybe sixty-six games, two points and one rebound. But if you'd have seen him play in college, I mean, he was—I mean, he was a stud in college. I could not believe that his NBA career was that short. Yeah, that's actually surprising. Um, take a step back real quick. Add Michael Finley to the list of players that play for Popovich, obviously. Oh, yeah. Got a ring in San Antonio. And then we got two more played with LeBron James in the second round. Mr. Danielle Marshall out of UConn. Yes, indeed. And then four picks later, Mr. Eric Snow out of Michigan State. Wow. Both played with LeBron. Yep. Eric Snow was, Eric Snow was a, uh, He's an interesting one, man. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't the most athletic guy, um, but he always ended up on really good teams. He's almost like you know who he reminds me of. He's almost like Andre Miller. Like to me, Andre Miller doesn't get near the respect he should. Right. For how many teams he's played on and made good, like and and made them better. Like he just does not. To me, Andre Miller does not get that credit. And I think Eric Snow now. Eric Snow's not on the level as Andre Miller, but he's still a guy that put in some really. I mean, he played opposite of Allen Iverson, played opposite of LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been on some Ray pretty Allen. decent teams. Ray Allen. I mean, he he was on some pretty decent teams. So yeah, he was. Shout out Eric Snow, man. Yeah, he was he was tough. Yeah, and I will say this about Andre Miller. In my honest opinion, he's the second greatest Denver Nuggets point guard of all time. Behind Mahad Maduruhuf. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the only guy I put above him. I can Robert Pack's got a competition for me just because I like watching him dunk. Right. Yeah. That's another one, man. Uh, Andre Miller. I, I mean, I know he's not in this draft, but he's a guy to me that is very—he's very underrated. I mean, yeah. we could have a whole show about that, but <laughs> oh, we will. Yeah, because Andre <laughs> Miller is yeah Andre Miller to me he just. He does not get the credit he deserves, but that's for another time and place. 
Hey, Shout man. Out Andre Miller. Shout out Andre Miller. <laughs> so, last guy we're going to talk about here in the notable undrafted, it's obviously Kevin Nolley played some time in the NBA, had some good Absolutely. runs. Uh, John Amici, who, you know, is one of the bravest athletes to ever play in, this, in the world of sports, so I give him props, obviously. Absolutely. Um, Kevin Ollie, add him to the LeBron James list. Kevin Ollie's on? Oh, yeah, he was. 03. 03, sure yeah. was. And then my boy, let's talk some Xavier Muskies here, former Boston Celtic for a year. They were really bad that year. Larry <laughs> freaking Sykes, Larry what's up? Sykes. sure was, man. Muskie. Yeah, you love those muskies, man. <laughs> I do. I do. We got like, come on, we got like, what, five players in the NBA? I'm going to oh, enjoy yeah. this. All Heck right, Ben. Yeah. You know what time it is. Absolutely. It's time, so if you're catching Rubbin' Balls, a.k.a. formerly noticed, here come the Young Guns for the first time. We like to do these draft shows with our own 10-team mock draft, where every episode, Ben and I will rotate who gets the first pick of the draft, and we will move from there. So, Ben, I believe last time we did a show, I was the one that got to pick Anthony Davis first overall because it was so difficult to make that decision. <laughs> yes, you did. And every draft so far we've done, we've actually kept the first pick the same. This time I have a feeling it's going to be a little different. So, Ben, at number one, you're the Golden State Warriors. Who do you take? Man, I, I, I've i looked at this. Um, I mean, of course, we are redrafting now, but Golden State... Golden State needed a power forward. Chris Webber had just left. If you're looking at it, if you know what you know now, you got to go Kevin Garnett. Yep. I mean, you, that that would be the perfect fit for them. Um, KG. I mean, everybody knows what he's already done and what he what he accomplished. Uh, yeah, you have to go Kevin Garnett there as your number one overall pick. Yeah, I agree. Um, at two, Antonio McDice, you're my boy. I I loved watching you play. You had a great NBA career, did a lot of awesome things, played on a lot of good teams. You're a Popovich guy. But when the Denver Nuggets make this trade with the Clippers, they're getting Rasheed Wallace to fill that Absolutely. role. Because Rasheed just did everything. Uh, you talk about an NBA All-Star, an NBA champion, you know, a great defensive player. Uh, had the pedigree coming out of North Carolina. Uh, I'm going Sheed there, though. The athleticism may still lean in McDyce's favor. I still like my boy Sheed at two. I agree. That Yeah, Rasheed has to go there. Um, knowing what you know now, um, he would have been a really good fit there for the Clippers. Clippers still would have been bad. I mean, I, I mean yeah. they're the, they, were, they were the Clippers. But yeah. Rasheed Wallace um, gives you a little bit more attitude, uh, maybe gives you a better opportunity to bring in free agents to the Clippers, knowing that a Rasheed Wallace is there. So I like that pick. Thank you. Um, number three, Philly, I, I, I got to stay with my man Stackhouse. Yeah, man. Um, Stack to me was, uh, like, I, like I've already said before, he was such a phenomenal player. Uh, and he was able to do some great things in the league. Um, and I, I had to stay with my man Stackhouse there. He he was tough. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm just gonna swap the picks here. Um, since Sheed went to the uh, the Clippers, which was traded to the Nuggets at two, I'll go ahead and put Anthony McDice at four. Um, you know, obviously the player he was, the greatness he had. Um, I, I think that he would have been really good for Washington, even though they had just you know they had Chris Webber. 
I think this was right around the time they got Juwan Howard. Yeah. So they were like they were power forward central. Absolutely. So let's just add Antonio Big Dice to that. Very good. Might as well. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, number five uh, Minnesota with Garnett off the board. Man. With Garnett off the board. Uh you I, you gotta go. You gotta go Joe Smith. Ooh, okay. Keep it in the top five. Yeah. I dig it. Um, I'm thinking Minnesota, you know, power forward. You need a power forward. Um, If you pick up Joe Smith there, um, he he was a good player. Um, And he was, I mean, he couldn't do the things that Kevin Garnett could do. um, But he could get you, you know, 15 and 8, 15 and 9, and be be okay. So, um, right on. I, I like him there. Yeah, that's a good pick, man. So thank you for that, because at six, the Vancouver Grizzlies just had Theo Ratliff fall in their pockets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you talk about a big man to build your team around for the future. I love Bryant Reeves. Like we said, Big Country had a, you know, when he was on, he was on. But Theo Ratliff was on for a lot longer. Um, You know, really could have set the tone defensively for what the Grizzlies would have become in the future. Um, Obviously, we know... At this time, you don't know, but you know in the next year or two, Mike Bibby's coming to town. Absolutely. So, Theo Radliff makes things happen there. Oh, yeah, I like that pick. Yeah, he would have been good there. He would have been really good there. So, we're at seven. The Raptors. Man, of course, you know, I, I love Damon Stoudemire. I'd have to keep him there. Um, Damon Stoudemire, like you said, he made it cool to be a Toronto Raptor. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, I I remember seeing number twenty Toronto Raptors jerseys everywhere. Um, I think that that what he did for that culture, being their first year in the league, um, Damon Stoudemire was the perfect fit. He was the perfect player for them. So I would keep him there at seven. Okay, so eight. This pick was originally the Blazers that they got from Detroit that they traded to the Bucks. Yeah, you following? Okay, Absolutely. good. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to take Michael Finley in that spot. Oh, yeah. Ray Allen's coming the next year in the 96 draft. You got your two and your three for the future right there. Enough said. That's a good pick, man. That Michael Finley would have been right there. Sean, Sean Resper. Wow. Man, he was good. He was good at Michigan State. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was good at Michigan State. Didn't, didn't pan out very well in the league, though. No. Had a... Had a tumultuous, uh, looked like, what, seven years? Seven years and five different teams? Four. So, Four went overseas. Wow. But he's been oh, coaching. Yeah. He's on Fisdale's staff. He he's in, he uh, he's in Memphis. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, man. Huh. Good for him. Right? <laughs> Good for him. Good for Sean Re- A little uh, Sean Respert update. I never knew that. That's awesome. In case you guys get that question in trivia, yeah. you know, at the bar next week. Yeah, that you, now you're ready. <laughs> Let's see here. Right, man, so you're at nine with the New Jersey Nets. Uh, Are you taking Mr. Ruin all the fun? Yeah, I, I got to pass on my boy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ruin NCAA games for everybody. <laughs> yeah. If I'm looking at it here, and you are the New Jersey Nets, I know this is going to be an odd, odd thing. 
but from what he did in Utah, mm. I have to go Greg Ostertag. Oh, I like that pick. Um, Greg Ostertag, I mean, of course he's, you know, he's not going to get the credit or anything, but he was a really good, he was a really good center um, for, you know, four to five years there in Utah. I mean, of course, everybody sees, you know, him, Michael Jordan doing the reverses and the dunks <laughs> on him and all this stuff. But who did who, um, he, who did he do that to? Right, exactly. I mean, people realize, you know, that's Jordan. He did that. He did that to everybody. So, um, I liked Osher Tag. Uh, I liked him in Utah, and I would like him there in New Jersey. I think that he would uh, he would have some kind of uh, stable, you know, stabilizing force for the Nets team. Which, if I remember correctly, the Nets were not very good in no. 95. No, they weren't. So They weren't at all. So, so Greg Estertag it would be. All right, man. So that brings me to our 10th and final pick, who it's the Miami Heat, who certainly were not the Miami Heat that we know now yet. Absolutely not. Yes. And they take Kurt Thomas here in... Um, it's hard for me to say that you're not going to take Kurt Thomas, but I'm not going to take Kurt Thomas. I didn't have a single pick stay the same, actually, this time around. That's the first time. Yeah. So, I'll tell you what, man. They're at 13. The Sacramento Kings took a great player from Arkansas by the name of Corliss <laughs> Williamson. <laughs> yes! Now, Corliss Williamson, yes. for those who don't know, had, you know, maybe not a jaw-dropping NBA career where you're like, man, get him, and get him there now. He's got in the Hall of Fame. But this is a guy that... Played with Allen Iverson. This is a yes, guy that was a sixth man of the year. He won an NBA title as a member of that that Philly, uh, I mean that Detroit team that played hard nosed defense with Rashid that we mentioned earlier. Absolutely. He won the NCAA championship at Arkansas um, yes, in '94. They were like the one SEC team that gave Kentucky a run for their money every year. He yes, was an SEC Player of the Year twice. Corliss Williamson had a great NBA pedigree, a great tenure in the league. Um, you know, talk about a role player. That guy was the role player for a long time. Yes, he was. And and uh, Corliss Williamson, man, he gosh, he was he was a very good player. I remember him in Arkansas. Him and Scotty Thurman, and I mean, those teams would come in and just those those would be dog fights versus UK. I mean, and they would just put it on teams because you know Nolan Richardson played that forty minutes of hell, and I mean, he, they mm-hmm. would just. They would just suppress teams. Teams would just be so frustrated playing with them. And then on top of that, Corliss Williamson was one of those guys from the Nasty Club. I mean, he was in that Rasheed Wallace mold. Yeah, he, he was. He was a nasty, nasty individual, and he played hard. As a matter of fact, his nickname was the Big Nasty. So, I mean, he he was a he was a good player, and he was a very good role player in the NBA. Corliss Williamson's a great pick. And in case anyone's wondering... Of course, Williamson is also coaching in the league for the Orlando Magic. Get out of here. Yeah, he's an assistant. Wow. All right. Shout out Corliss Williamson, man. Yeah, man. Staying in the, staying in the game. That's awesome. Well, David, other, yeah. David Stoudemire is a head coach uh, for a college team. I think Pacific University. I think I knew that. I think I knew that one. I think David Stoudemire, yeah, he's, he's at Pacific, I believe. Yeah, I think I knew that one. He... Um, but it's cool to see those guys do that and be able to share their knowledge of NBA and with the college game and, and, yeah. and other pros. It's well, cool to see that. Zach Lowe had Jerry Stackhouse on his pod recently. I know we're about to wrap. And um, 
like people keep raving about how great of a coach he's been in the G League for the it's called the 905 Raptors. It's the Toronto Raptors developmental team. Uh-huh. And he's been like they were awesome. They, I think they won the G League. Um, and he was like, and you know, people are saying that he's going to be an NBA coach in the next couple of years. That he's going to get a job somewhere. Oh, that would be awesome. I, I, I to me, I mean, he is, uh, he's a guy that that deserves. It. I mean, he's put his time in at the league, um, and now he's you know coaching other young players. The greatest compliment you could get as a coach is that your teams are performing well. They like you as a coach. I mean, that's. That's that's aces right there. So I hope he does. I hope he gets an opportunity because Jerry Stackhouse is, is a is a guy that put in his time and and now that he's having success there, uh, I'm not I'm not shocked. I mean he was he was uh, always a, a good player. So yeah. So with that being said, now we're just a little bit over the hour mark. This has been the first edition on the Forty Eight Minutes Network of the Dropping Balls NBA Draft Recap Cast. Let you guys know what else we have going on uh, show-wise. Uh, check out Court Stormers with myself and Taylor Bergfeld as we talk college hoops. Uh, we're gonna really going to start in October, but we wanted to do a show on launch just so we can kind of give you guys a feel for what's coming up and what our show is going to be. Um, also, of course, you can't go without the 48 Minutes regular show with myself, Sean, and Alex where we keep you up to date on all NBA news. Uh, we're going to have a lot more coming. We're going to do a lot of great things. We're really excited for this, so... If you're sticking around, thank you very much uh, for really supporting us as we continue to make this happen, try to get our name out there. So, Ben, it's been a pleasure to get this role ball started. And um, I think we got to stay in the 90s next round, man. Um, you know, we got to do – we haven't done the – have we done the 98 draft? Is that the – did we do that draft? We did the 96 one. We did 96. I don't, do not believe we've done 98. All right. I think we need to do the 1998 draft. I think that's a thing. Ooh. Ooh, Mr. Olawakande. Yeah, Paul Pierce going 10 in Paul that draft. Paul Pierce going 10. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. we're going to touch on that because that's a, that's a loaded draft, too, with a lot of really good players. Um, yes, it is. But, everyone, thank you so much. We're so excited about the part of what we're starting here. And uh, have a great night, everyone. Good night, everybody. <laughs>